This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a great week. Whatever you're doing out there, it was a big weekend of motor racing. We had supercars at Ipswich at the Queensland Raceway, and we had Formula Ones up in Germany. Dal Rogers and Richard Crowell from theracetalk.com. Of course, On The Grid is powered by theracetalk.com. Joining me in just a tick to have a chat about that. Don't also forget to check out, if you're into professional wrestling, got a great podcast on mypodcasthouse.com, uh, on the turnbuckle. If you want to have a listen to that, we've had some great guests in the last few weeks, so check that out on our website, mypodcasthouse.com. But right now, let's talk motor racing. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Richard Crail joins us first up. G'day, Crailsey. Specs, nice to be with you. What a massive weekend it was at Queensland Raceway. It certainly was. Always nice to be with nice people. And another one of those nice people is Dale Rogers, who joins us as well. Hello, Dale. Tony and Rich, how are you? I also enjoyed Queensland immensely, and I did certainly enjoy the 26 degrees. Melbourne, not Melbourne, <laughs> weather up there. It was fantastic. Yeah, I can imagine. Wish I was up there with you guys. Wish I was. Hey, uh, so as you mentioned, some fantastic racing. We'll uh, we'll have a look at supercars first up because it was a, 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 oh, the racing across – well, actually, no, first of all, the racing across all the categories was really good. Mm. It was just a really good weekend from top to bottom. Yeah, it was. Uh, re- really enjoyed it. And, and we've, we've been critical of the supercars support program at times this year, both on the show and – in the race tour power rankings as well, and they have been lacking on occasion. But that that weekend didn't lack. It was terrific, and even even the Super Ute, dare I say, put on some moderately decent racing. It's not an endorsement, but they did have some decent racing at times. So yeah, terrific stuff. Sixty supercars there across all three tiers. Um, they they were all very very good races amongst them. Touring car masters were outstanding. Aussie racing cars probably put on one of the best race finishes of the season. Um, and yeah, just just action world all started at eight thirty in the morning, finished at five o'clock at night. It's what a it's what a country race meeting like that should be. And I know it's which is basically in Brisbane now, but it, it just felt right. It felt like a good program. Uh, everyone was quite engaged with it all, from what I could tell, and I really liked it. But the supercars were um, the main game show was really good, and probably proof that. Uh, when you've got more than one team competitive, it just makes it such a better product. And Formula One has seen that in the last couple of races where Ferrari and Red Bull have been really good. It's the same now in supercars that whether the Shelby Power cars have come back to the pack or the Red Bull's caught up, um, we've now got contenders, it seems, in every race. And um, the pressure is starting to mount on those red Mustangs, which is terrific because it produces great racing like we saw on both days on the weekend. Yeah, couldn't have been more, Rich. I, I, I think the calendar, this, the whole uh, promote the calendar was great on the weekend. I tell you, one thing I'd like to talk about is Queensland Raceway as a venue. We, you know, I, I reckon we've all been going there since, you know, it was launched in '99. I reckon most of the people in this industry have been critical of it. But boy, oh boy, when you look at it, it just turns on great race. It's a simple track, it has long straights into, into hard corners. Well, surprise, surprise, great overtaking opportunity. Four overtaking opportunities on a six-turn layout. Some tracks we mm. go to have got one one passing opportunity, um, and it re- it's a great spectator circuit. You can see the whole circuit. Yeah, the, the, the facilities aren't that great. We accept that, but 
it was really interesting to see that the the um, a lot of the competitors, the supercar competitors particularly, came out. Chad Mossett was very vocal about it. But now that the thing may be under threat to not be on a calendar, boy, oh boy, were the hands going up quickly saying, we need to be here. So it, it was reminiscent to me of the Adelaide Grand Prix when the crowds came back when they knew it was going. And uh, mm. Queensland Raceway, whether it's survives or not, has turned on some ripper racing and it did us a, a proud again on the weekend. Yeah, it certainly did. There's no doubting that. And I thought one of the uh, great highlights of the weekend was the fact that we saw a, a return of sort of Triple uh, Eight back to being contenders again in uh, in races. And uh, the win of Jamie Winkup on the Saturday was fantastic. And Shane Van Gisbergen did probably, I would have thought, his best race for 2019 on Sunday. Yeah, you're right. And, and it's been brewing for a while, hasn't it? And, and obviously they got the win in Townsville, which was weather affected. And that was just one of those balmy wet weather races that throws all sorts of stuff up. But uh, yeah, look, they, they've been getting there. What it, it shows the knife edge at which the series is on at the moment, because if you miss it by half a percent, you're out. And, and this is everyone outside of uh, the show V Power Racing Mustangs, because Wing Cup missed Sunday by half a percent and was relatively nowhere compared to where he was on Saturday. So that's how tight it is. But when they get that car right, it's a good thing. And and he drove it superbly uh, on that Saturday race. It's really good. Um, the, the Shell Fords didn't run the, the right strategy to get the best out of it and had tired egg at the end and ultimately finished off the podium for just the second time this year, which is a pretty remarkable stat. You've finished on the podium in almost all the races for a team. So... Terrific stuff, and, and Sunday was, was a great drive from Shane Van Gisbergen. and hauled in Scotty at the end, and you'd reckon if it go, if that race goes another two laps, he probably would have got him. There's a lot of motivation to get race wins and championships probably out of the equation, so you would have thought there would have been a Shane send at some point had he got another crack at, at Scotty over the last part of race 20, but really good show, liked it, and, and the other thing for mine was Tickford Racing was competitive as well. We some of their cars, depending on what day it was, but they had a couple of cars on the podium on Saturday. They had Chaz there on uh, Sunday, and, and they looked really strong. So, liked it. Uh, really good hard racing, and, and if that's how the second half of the year plays out, I think we've got plenty to look forward to. Yeah, Richard and I commented on, on Saturday, after the first race on Saturday evening, that the it was a really, really good first race. You know, 39 laps, in you know, really quite intense racing. A race full of strategy too, because we thought it could have it could have fallen foul for Tickford, because mm. they they pitted very late on Saturday with uh, with Chaz and Will, who were running line astern. Um, they were dropping time on track to the cars that had pitted earlier. Obviously, Scotty was going to have some tyre dig, and we thought at the time it, it might have been one of the worst strategy calls of the weekend, and it turned out to be a blinder. They picked off um, basically every car in front of them, then got in front mm. of. Uh, of, of, of Scotty and brought on a second and third to Tickford. So it was very good performance. I thought Wincup's performance on Saturday was outstanding. He was really intense on Saturday. He was going to win that race if he had to carry the car on his back. He did an awesome job. And likewise, Ben Gisberger had one of those races where he was just uh, carving into the Buckland's lead. And you, you could tell the intensity of that race. No, no safety cars to interrupt things. It was just a full-on race. But the intensity showed not so much on Van Gisbergen, but Scott McLaughlin's reaction at the end of the race. He knew yeah. he had won an epic battle on Sunday, 
And I think that I agree with Richard. I think it really showed that once you get, uh, you know, the, the, the three best teams in the field involved in this this strategy play and this hard, intense racing, it really is turning on a great part of the series. So, you know, it ticked, it ticked a lot of boxes. And I think all of those guys have got podiums on on uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Will Davidson a bit more. They thoroughly deserve everything they got. And there was some other standouts as well, Nick Perkett being one of them. But everyone who, who got a good result on Saturday earned it. They didn't cop it by a safety car. They didn't cop it by, you know, someone else falling foul. They cop, They mm. got their results through really hard, intense racing. We were, Shebeck, if I can jump in. Yeah, we please. Were, we, we were riding the power rankings on Saturday when Will Davison hadn't pitted, go up with a big knot for Tickford, because we were convinced that they'd engineered themselves out of a podium. They they looked so strong, um, and and the longer that they stayed out with that car, the the relative track position to where Scott was, who stopped early, um, just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and wink up as well out in front. So we never thought Will was going to win that race, but we we thought second place was definitely on, and then they kept him out, kept him out, and kept him out. And we're watching the gap disappear, and the lap times McLaughlin was doing with oh they've they've buggered this up. Um, the, the undercut that McLaughlin got was going to be too big, but what we didn't factor into the account was that the tyre egg was such that McLaughlin's thing dropped off quite significantly in the end. He dropped through the field, as, as Dale said, and the Tickford boys powered home and got themselves onto the podium. So uh, it turned out to be a genius strategic call, and it's proof that you can never judge a book by its cover until you've got to the other end of it, and that was very much the case with that race. And the one on Sunday as well, which for a while sort of just simmered along and wasn't actually outstanding. It, it wasn't a cracking race, but then then we sort of caught on to the fact that Van Gisbergen's thing was going to be super late in the race, and he was hauling significant chunks of time out to McLaughlin, and then you get that classic supercars battle where the lead is getting mauled down, and it, it's a matter of how much time can he make up in the laps available, and it turned out he got to the bumper bar in the final corner. So... Um, yeah, really interesting strategic games, and I, I love the way that both of those races played out. It's mentioned in the power rankings, but I think it was uh, probably at its most evident on the weekend for supercars and also for Formula One, and that's competition and the fact that exciting racing just is exciting racing, and you want to see people changing the lead. You want to see people making their way through the field. You want to see all that that is exciting about motor racing. You don't want to see one team just out in front circulating and winning races and we it was tire deg for supercars and it was rain in uh, in Germany for mm. the F1s that really brought that competition on well Dale do you feel like that was the first time you've gone into a, a race the Sunday one in particular going gee DJRTP are a bit vulnerable here because I, I felt that and that's the first time you felt that all year you felt, you felt like there was actually some serious pressure on them for the first time, probably all season. Yeah, I did, Rich. I think that we, we were we were looking at the at how that that qualifying had stacked up, and uh, weren't too sure whether Wind Cup was going to play a factor or not because he, he didn't qualify as well. Shane was, but also we had the Dickford cars in the mix, and we knew from mm-hmm. Saturday they were quick. So yes, it definitely. And of course, we haven't mentioned that Fabian Coulthard had an absolute shocker. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know. I hate the term wingman, but but but, but Scotty's wingman was nowhere to be seen, um, and that left them a bit vulnerable. But the the other two teams, the other two big teams in the in the, in the championship, were really putting the pressure on, and it showed. There's no doubt about it. So 
let's hope it's not an apparition, and let's hope that we go to the bend and pookie and this continues. It's been nearly three years since Will Davison has actually stood on the top podium of a supercar race. You, you just get the feeling the way that team are, uh, prepared this car and the way Will's driving that, that it may not be too far now and maybe not too long away until he tastes uh, the sweet smell of or the sweet taste of champagne again. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's been it's been a long time since he's been on the podium full stop. And in fact, his last podium of any sort was Bathurst 2016. And the Techno win with, um, in that remarkable circumstances in that motor race, which arguably could have probably gone to Jamie Winkup, but that's a, another story. Um, yeah, so just just preserving it. And yeah, we'll, we'll show glimpses this year of what they're capable of and a couple of really good results at the early part of the season. It's been a little bit tough through the middle stretch, but they just nailed it, tip it on the weekend with, with the 23 red car and, and it all came together. And, and it wasn't so much the fact he got a podium, which was just a great relief. It was the fact that they backed it up on the Sunday uh, with a, a P5 and a really solid finish in that race and a competitive run in that race as well. That, that for mine, is the big tick in the box because it's all well and good to, to jag a result. We've seen a Nissan on the podium this year, which is remarkable given where that team's at. Um, so backing it up is the important thing, and that's what they've done, and uh, a really solid weekend. And just it, impossible to not be happy for Will Davo, for Phil Monday, who spent millions of his own money on supporting motor racing in Australia by running race cars and putting drivers in them. So... To, to get people like that to get a return and a reward, when the reward in motorsport is often not financial, it's it's the emotional success of, of succeeding. Uh, that's a terrific outcome for everybody involved. Yeah, I think I've, I've known Will right through Formula Ford days, and right even when he was in the UK, we helped support him over there. And one of the things that I, that, that Will Davidson to me is that that if he's in a good space with good people around him. They support him. He really performs. He's sent a notice back to that field that he's not a spent force, that he is mm. a dead set contender. He's in a great space with that team. He has a, he's built a great relationship with Phil Nunda and that team. Great customer deal with Tickford, and obviously Phil's gone about it the right way. But Will's in a good space. And when Will Davidson's mentally in a good space, he's a great racer, but he's been through some tough times at SPA. He's a tough times with, with, with uh, partners at, uh, or, or teammates at, at HRT. But when he's in the zone in good space, he's as good as anyone on the grid. And he showed it on the weekend. He, he was tough. He was resilient. He raced hard. Just, you know, it's great to see him back as a, as a dead set top five contender. Yeah, no doubt about it. Fantastic news. And good news is, is that we'll have Will Davison on the show next week and we'll have a chat to him about that and the remainder of the season for him couple of things that hit the uh, not category as well. Boys, do we have any knots from the weekend or do we just have the milds? Uh, no, no, there were lots of knots. Um, the, the, the form of the Nissans continues to frustrate, doesn't it? And, and I mean, there. I, I thought they did a really good job on Sunday and, and Rick and Andre Heimgartner in particular. Andre is comfortably my top 10 drivers of the year so far because without having that many results to back it up. But the way he rags that car, mainly in qualifying, but then in the races as well, is superb. And, and they were a long way out of the window on Saturday. They, they didn't qualify a car in the top 15 out of their four, which isn't the first time they've done that all year. But for a lot of that race, Andre was inside the top 10, um, got passed and shuffled back towards the end when tyres ran out of life. But it was a really stout drive. And then both he and Rick drove really well on Sunday. They got the cars right. 
um, and and got themselves into the top ten. So that's frustrating. And Dale, the other thing for mine is unless you're uh, unless you're the Red Bull Holdens and Matt Stone racing over one lap at the moment, Erebus had a really quiet weekend. The other Holdens are in a world of struggle straight. Walkinshaw haven't had a top ten in three events now. Tim Slade's having an absolute shocker. Um, GRM, we, we talked to Gary last week and, and heard about their struggles. And all this goes on. So there's, there's a bunch of teams in real struggle straight at the moment that uh, we'll be hoping for things to turn around when we get to enduro season when the variables open up a little bit more and you can engineer some strategy and maybe some unreliability for others to get yourself a result. Yeah, we, we were, when we were combining the power rankings uh, both nights at, uh, at QR, Richard and I were talking about this, and there was a really interesting trend with the Nissans, and it seems to be that they take a long time to come on. Um, they do not seem to be consistently a great like Friday two car. Like yeah. two days, yeah, and it's too late. Yeah. You know, you, you, if you're not on a Friday night, you're, you are in a little seat. But we looked on, on Tony after the three sessions, um, the first three practice sessions before qualifying, the four Nissans were three-tenths of a second apart, but they were basically... In the in the bottom third of the field now, which means that all four drivers were driving them pretty close to their limit of what they could do. Three tenths is, is not a lot, albeit that the field was only a, there was only a second over the field, but they were nowhere. Yes, by Sunday, Andre Homegarten qualified really really well in the top ten, and and hauled his car into the top ten. So finally, their engineering team, the cars, everything goes into, into trying to make these cars quick. Seems to gel late in the weekend, but it's just too late. You know, it, it, mm. the, the horse is bolted on Friday night. And this seems to be a bit of a trend with the team, which is worrying. And I, and I certainly agree with, on, on the on the Holden front. You know, just had a bad weekend. Uh, you know, it, it happens. But, but I, I guess that's a sign of that team is still maturing. Uh, they have been a very, very strong... In fact, you know, they've been the best Holden team this year to date. But it was nice to see Brad at least one of those cars bounced back. At one stage, they were... It's, it's the greatest yo-yo of the year, watching the BJR team. It's, it's extraordinary. And Nick Perko just continues to deliver. He qualifies P8 in number eight, or he qualifies mm. down the back somewhere and races through the field really well. He's a good racer, Nick. Really good racer. Tim Slade, you know, not a great weekend for Tim. Um, they, they, they threw away a result on Saturday. Um, and Mackie Jones, you know, struggling about question in the cool draft cast. Uh, uh, the rest of the Holden teams, yeah, Wappenshaw, again, uh, really, really um, didn't look like they were going to annoy the top 10. Gary's team, uh, even with Caruso on the car, he drove pretty well. Uh, yeah, that car's not, not on song either. So, yeah, it's uh, the, the, the gap between these top teams and what should be the, the, the teams that can pick up the crumbs at the moment is widening. Now, I didn't get to see the end of Saturday's race because I was heading from uh, the MCG home after uh, having worked there for the day. And then when I saw in my Twitter feed that Scott McLaughlin had been fined $10,000 for bringing some non-permitted item onto the podium, my mind started thinking, what could it have been? Was it of sexual nature? Was it of drug paraphernalia? It must have been. <laughs> su- a Ford poster. What did you think? For God's what sakes, did you man. Think it would be? No, hang on a minute. What did you think it would be of a sexual nature? What did you think you did? Uh, I thought it had to have been something bad, Richard, like a dildo a, or you something. I thought it must have been something to get fined ten thousand dollars like that. To take a poster yeah. onto the podium and get ten grand. Come on. 
it was the big story of Sunday, and um, and Dale touched on the emotion that Scotty had uh, after winning the race, crossing the line, and and this is a guy that's won fourteen races this year. He's absolutely smoked the field, and that was like he celebrated like it was his first race victory. So yeah. they they. They copped 13 grand in fines. Three grand was for doing a burnout past the prescribed mark. So you're allowed to do a burnout around the back of the track. But uh, he did another one basically just past the grid when they were driving up to where the podium is in front of the crowd at turn one. And that's, I get that. There's people on the track. Yeah, uh, the work. Control. I, I yeah. understand those rules. They're fine. And look, there's a rule in place that no non-approved promotional material can be taken onto the podium. And I get that as well. There's commercial considerations and all that. But ten grand for a poster for what is before an enormous photo opportunity, something that, that they leverage through their, their media, PR, everything like that. To get ten grand for that is, is out of control. That is ridiculous. Make a couple of grand or some team championship points or whatever. But yeah, that, that's uh, a bit silly and I love what they've done since. Not the first time, though. Our old mate Ben Beasley copped, a, uh, I think, a 30K fine uh, some years ago for doing exactly the same thing when, when Marcus won the championship. But, mm. you know, the thing that really is quite amusing about all this, and this, this again, is this politically correct madness. I, I totally accept what Richard says. Scotty's burnout should have finished before he got to the grid. There were officials on the track, and I get that. And yes, but the rest of it was, was okay. He got the back straight, and, he, and there was a great park and view crowd up the back straight who were watching it. All good stuff. So then they find him, but what we'll do, guys, is can we get that footage on to the supercars uh, yeah, social media yeah. because it's really cool. I mean, yeah. come on, you know, yeah, it, you can't both ways. It's like saying, yeah, it's like saying that. Well, Scotty, eighty percent of your burnout was fine, but yeah. the last twenty percent not not <laughs> fine because you did it in an area that, that wasn't right. And yeah, that that's funny. But look, we we've got to give once again. And this, this is why this team are currently the best in the business just because they think of all angles. And I, I'm i pretty certain, boys, that they knew they'd get fined uh, for taking the posters up. I don't think there's any question that they knew the rules. Ryan's story is very astute. Ben Beasley, the team PR manager. Um, ben, ben, ben Nottingham. Ben, Beasley, ben Nottingham. He mentioned Benny Beasley before. <laughs> um, so he wouldn't have paid that out of his own pocket, would he? Um, no. So Benny Nightingale is very astute. He's the team PR there. So they would have known, I reckon, that they would be in breach of rules. They decided to do it anyway because it's great for Ford and it makes a great photo. So that's one big tick. And since then, they've come out and they're now selling those posters yeah. and yes, raising money for charity, raising money for charity yeah. which is great yeah. because it's got so much press. There'll be a 1,000 Ford fans out there that buy them. They'll make some money for charity. And they just win a PR battle out of it. And and everything that they've done since has been pitch perfect from Scotty going on Twitter to supercars, can I pay this in armor or pole checks? Just to the charity thing. Like they've <laughs> they've absolutely nailed it. And it's proved that this is a team sport and it's not just about car performance, it's about all the stuff outside it that is what makes great racing teams. So in the end, it's actually been quite uh, quite good, I think. Well, I'll tell you what, if the PR guys had to pay the fine, Gerald McDonald would have been up for a million dollars. Can you remember all the ones that used to come out for Bathurst? <laughs> Always. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. No, look, 
Grasso, Brett Murray, our mate, was responsible for a bunch of those as well. So I think we'd all be out of a job if we had the patient in our own pocket. I actually, <laughs> I actually think the ones you want to collect are the ones that were printed that can never be displayed, like Ford wins championship but don't win it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the AFL <laughs> yep. grand final. They do both poses. They have to destroy the one of the other ones. So in yep. a couple of years when it's come down to the wire and hold the one or Ford one, wouldn't it be great to have the Ford wins 2010 championship? Yeah. Or whatever year it was, and it never happens because <laughs> oh, they're good. printed and they're in the truck. Let me tell you, it's a good fun. Yeah, fantastic. Yep. Hey guys, Bad before example, we because they they did win that championship, by the way, twenty yeah, ten. That, 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 that was Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Before we uh, move on to, well. to F one and wrap up the the show, uh, talk about Super Two and Super Three for me because some great racing there as well as TCM, uh, Richard. Oh, look, I could talk to you about all those until the cows come home. Um, Super 3 is... Jonah, Jonah's going well. I'll put my, oh, bloody hell. I'll put, I'll put my hand up and go, I'm, I'm calling that championship this year for Fox. So I've got a, a vested interest in it. But it, it's the best series around from a racing point of view at the moment. And Jaden and Jada and a little privateer race team from Bathurst, Anderson Motorsport, they're, they're doing an outstanding job. They've won the last two rounds. Zach Best, kid from Benella, he's won five races of the nine so far this season, and he's third in the championship. This kid cannot take a break, and twice in two rounds, he's won the first two races, and then by no fault of his own, and, and you could argue that there was contact with another car in the opening lap of, of the final race in QR, so you know, there was a role to play, but, but circumstances mostly outside of his control have seen him DNF, and not only miss out on the podium, but miss out on the round win and not get a trophy at all. So it's been rough for him, but it's been that kind of championship. Brock Feeney's won one race and he leads the standings. So it's a, it's, it's a remarkable series. And then Hamish Riveritz and Nick Carroll and a bunch of other young kids are, are right in the mix. Josh Fife from Brad Jones. So Ripper series, love it. Um, and the last two rounds of that are going to be ballistic. Like get to the fence, but then just take two steps back because they're uh, they're having a red hot crack those kids this year. Love it. Yeah, to tear it up. There's both Super Two and Super Three. There was plenty on, and uh, Super Three was fascinating um, on the Sunday race. The the, the, the rear of the finishes were uh, guys like Jack Perkins, Ash Walt. All the heavy hitters were at the back of the field of the Super Two field, and there was carnage everywhere. So. Um, mm. Yeah, both categories were great, and, and as Rich, you know, no doubt, will say TCM was also good. So, look from from a support category, the racing was it was good thing about it. There was, there was no downtime on the track. Uh, it was you now a couple of burnout cars and bang, you got all the entertainment, and the, and these two Super Two and Super Three categories really really delivered. And, yeah. and TCM specs was was super, uh, really good racing, and believe it or not, three first time race winners in mm. TCM history on the weekend. These guys had never won a race. So Cameron Mason in the first race of that stunning new Alan Moffat Brute Mustang replica, uh, that one on debut in the trophy race. Um, it was almost like we scripted that. Amazing. Uh, and then uh, two two victories for young guy Aaron Seaton, who's showed a lot of promise and son of Glenn got a couple of wins there in, in the championship races. And then race three was a, was a beauty a really good fight with Ryle Harris holding off first Seaton and then uh, Adam Garwood, who's another young gun. So even the old man's category of motor racing is becoming a young man's game and these kids going at it. And there was a joke going around the paddock boys that for race two, which had a front row of Aaron Seaton and Adam Garwood, 
the official statistic is it's the first time in TCM history that the front row of a race grid hasn't featured any grey hairs. Wow, good point. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Very good point. Hey, uh, let's wrap it's it up great. with Formula One, guys. <laughs> Uh, in Australia, we sing that song, Rain, Rain, Go Away, Come Back Another Day. In Germany, I think there's 100,000 fans saying, no, please, stay. Don't go anywhere. Well, Tony, if there's one thing you really want to do is put on your 125th anniversary, do the retro livery for the team, go mad because you're home race and you're going to clean it up and then walk away with nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> they looked great, though, didn't one, they? I love the costumes. They look fantastic. Look, they look great. And, you know, uh, old, old Toto there with his tie and everything look, all look good. And, but, you know, there's, there's a couple of points for me out of this. Again, Hockenheim, because of the, because we have to have the DRS because there's no way they can pass each other, but it is a circuit which actually promotes some really, really good passing opportunities. One of the things that I reckon is, again, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, Charles Leclerc's off was a bad one. Um, the funny thing is <laughs> he slammed the Ferrari into the 125 years <laughs> motorsport post yeah. on the wall and <laughs> fell on his car. So yeah. it doesn't get better than that. Um, Bottas was, was off. Hamilton was off there, copped the penalty for not going around the bollard. Verstappen uh, pitted, I think, more time, six times, I think he pitted. Um, mm. it, it, look, the race was a cracker, but it was race was a cracker because of the weather. Um, you know, the Mercedes guys were first and third on the grid. Ferrari had completely screwed up qualifying. They lost the Dell's car. Leclerc was 10th. So it was going to be a Verstappen battle. Then the rain came for the, for the race. Started in the safety car. The race was absolutely a blinder. Um, but yeah, would it have been without that weather? I don't know, but still, that's what we got. And it was, it was a great event. Some really, really interesting things. I mean, Danny Kiviat on the, on the grid at third. On the podium on third, and the, the poor old Alfa Romeo is getting scrubbed. Claire mm. Williams must be just rubbing her hands with glee because they've picked up a point. And if they don't get another one for the year, it doesn't matter because they've got their travel fund. So, yeah, yeah. It, you, you know, the, the importance of that point to that team is just so. I wish I'd been George Russell, to be honest with you, because I think he deserved it if anyone got it. It was by default, but nonetheless, um, they'll be smiling about that. Um, mm. It was a, it just a full blown entertainment. Great strategy, great strategy plays and size. Guys coming in, you know, ripping tyres on and off within laps of each other. A couple of safety cars. Daniel Ricciardo DNFing again with a smoky Renault. Um, fantastic entertainment. Can't can't fault it. And uh, um, but and Vettel's drive, you, you just you've got to mention the the drive that he put in, particularly in those closing laps, was just outstanding. So after a couple of dud rounds, we've had a couple of crackers. Um, mm. Let's see if it continues. But, yeah, and Shabek, ask me about IndyCar in a minute because I want to touch on that as well, and I'll forget. Uh, but I, I agree with I agree with everything you said, Dale, and, and a couple of things for me stand out, and it goes back to that point we made at the start of the show about competition, and that there's now more than just one competitive car most of the time in Formula One because yeah. the, the the competition it, it, Mercedes have dominated the first part of the season, and Ferrari chucked away plenty of races, but they're, they're clearly got more car performance now anyway, so they're competitive, even though they balls up qualifying on the weekend. So uh, Seb Vettel was, when they got to slicks at the end of that race, was amongst the fastest of anybody. So that was that was terrific. But the Red Bulls are now genuinely pretty competitive everywhere they go. And, and one, of, genuine, one, of one of them is, yeah, and, and Pierre Gasly probably needs some work. But... Um, but but that's good for the show, and it goes back to that yeah. competitive point. 
the other things I want to touch on in that race, um, McLaren are having a terrific season, and, and they're one of my favourite race teams. So to see their struggles over the last couple of years have just been horrifying. So Carlos Sainz gets fifth. That's great. Um, amazing story. The Toro Rosso is, as you said, on the podium. Just their second ever podium in that team's history as Toro Rosso or Minardi before it, which is yep. bonkers. Um, Alex Albon inside the top half a dozen. He's a great young star of the future. And Martin Brundle wrote a really good comment recently saying that the, the sport is in good hands if they can get the rules right with all these young drivers yeah, in it because they're all true. bloody good. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I so loved all that. But, uh, and again, I think it's down to the competition. But what I'm looking forward to the most, we're not going to see for probably six to eight months. And that is the Netflix doco. Because <laughs> everyone's seen Drive to Survive, the season one, which was outstanding. It made Gunter Steiner a hero. Um, it, it, it did so much good for Formula One. They renewed it for a second season. They're currently filming it now. And for the first time, Ferrari and Mercedes-Benz agreed to be involved. Yeah, guess but... which round Guess which round Mercedes-Benz agreed to be filmed at? This one. Um, the, the, German Grand Prix. Oh, the German right. Grand Prix. The German Grand Prix. So there will be um, a one-hour um, one special of that team's worst Grand Prix in 10 years. Oh. Uh, Coming to Netflix at some time in the next in the next uh, twelve months. Is there a chance that tape gets destroyed? Oh, can you imagine the producer of that show when he uh, saw Hamilton fire the car off the road? And he went, "Yes, this is great," and then he saw Bottas crash. Yeah, and he went, "Oh my God, we're going to win an Academy Award." So, yeah, great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the it's like the proverbial, he's been kicked on something by a fairy. That like yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's fantastic. Amazing. Hey, very quickly, Richard, IndyCar. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Shebeck, because <laughs> uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, the mid-Ohio IndyCar race. So Will Powers on pole. It's great to see he's still got that one-lap pace. He's had a rough season, but he's still fast as. Um, Scott Dixon, getting close to 50 IndyCar victories, which is just extraordinary. He's nice. close nearly 40, and he continues to win. But it, it's the third closest finish in the history of the championship on a road course. So it was under a tenth of a second between himself and Felix Rosenquist, his teammate. Chip Ganassi racing with a beat down. Amazing racing in IndyCar at the moment. They're putting on a great show. And, and that man, Dixon, just continues to be extraordinary. Um, he He's a real shot of becoming the most successful driver in the history of IndyCar racing. He goes on for a couple more years. So... Uh, just wanted to mention that because Dixon's perennially under-talked about in this part of the world, despite the fact he's a Kiwi, um, born in Brisbane, though, by the way, uh, if you ask Crossett. Um, so amazing job, great drive, and, and I felt that needed some uh, recognition. Thank you, boys, for this week. Again, a great wrap-up of what happened up in Ipswich and also the F1s, and look forward to catching you again next Monday. Looking forward to hearing from Will Davison and uh, touching base with them as they head into a, a second half of the year. I think it'll be real good. Indeed. Great, guys. See you soon. Richard Crowell and Dale Rogers joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Wraps up another episode. Thanks for joining us here on mypodcasthouse.com. Next week, Will Davison to join us to have a chat about his year so far. It's been a ripper, including this uh, great weekend for him and his team at Queensland Raceway. We'll also wrap up everything that happened at the Shannons Nationals up at Queensland Raceway, including a big round, I'm sure, of TCR. All that to come right here on The Grid.